Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. All right, Evan, now you can mute yourself. Okay, thank you. Uh, the, the prelude to this was, uh, giving Evan some instructions, um, just for some like background audio stuff, uh, all of 12 seconds before, and he somehow forgot them and messed it up and, and did everything backwards. So, well, that's what happens when you only half listen. So you, all I heard was mute your mic and we're starting. <laughs> Mute your mic, Evan. We're starting the podcast. Evan, we don't want to hear from you. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. I'm Ryan Hanna. I'm Brad Crisco, who was going to make some football joke, but Lions fans are too happy today. I don't want to say anything stupid and ruin that. And I'm don't, Evan. Yeah, he got he got his pause in there. Uh, yeah, Lions, look, man, no, this isn't good for the season. Like, the, this isn't some sign of better days to come or anything like that. But you beat the Bears, you're happy. Just like when you beat the Blackhawks, you're happy. It does not matter. This is the Red Wings sweeping Montreal, like that kind of petty joy. Does it make anything better in the end? No, absolutely not. But is it fun watching Matt Stafford dunk on the stupid Bears? Yeah, absolutely. And for I, I know there's a small proportion of um, Red Wings fans or podcast listeners who are Bears fans. And to you, I say, um, I apologize for absolutely nothing. I hope you enjoyed your day. <laughs> <laughs> That's a level of petty I can respect. Can you tell uh, Lions fans are in a good place? Uh, I mean, I don't think it was that they won the game today. Uh, but like you said, always fun. I think it was... How they won the game today. That made it extra special. <laughs> that game was yes. locked up for the Bears at one point because we had it on at my work. And I remember overhearing like with six minutes left and the Bears are only six and a half minutes away from getting back to 500. And then I got distracted and then I literally walked back past the TV as soon as the ball was getting swatted out of Trubisky's hand. And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> things you absolutely love to see you know what i actually kind of feel for trubisky because like it's like when a a bad player gets a bigger contract than he ever should have which is something that we're intensely familiar with um he shouldn't have been drafted over the other guys who went in his draft class or that high uh but it's just so funny watching him and the bears get dunked on and the fact that the ball literally came out of his hands like got swatted out of his hands is just so satisfying Someone up above said, nah, it's been like, what, nine weeks in a row we've shit all over the Lions? Detroit's been through a lot. Let's give them something. This is your one. Now back this is our one, yeah. Scheduled programming of misery. Who do we play next week? I don't know. Whatever. Doesn't matter at this point. Yeah. Beat the Bears. Um, okay. In hockey news, on today's episode of the Winged Wheel podcast, we will be talking... Um, for probably 45 minutes about Evan's personal life. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Can we not? just wanted to see if... <laughs> I don't think there's 45 minutes of substance in there. I think Evan powers off after we stop recording. Oh, speaking of Evan's personal life, I'm going to interject a bit of mine here relative to something Evan told us last week. If you want to, if you guys want a good laugh and cry all at the same time. Evan, you remember you t- when you were telling us you um, lost out on that house that went 135 over asking? Oh, no, it went 150 over asking. Oh, okay. Close enough. Uh, I just lost out on a house that went 171 over asking. Jesus. That's fake at that point. That's a fake. <laughs> There's no way. There's no Everything way. Everything about that is fake. 
Like the house is fake. <laughs> where's Ashton? Where's Ashton Kutcher? When's he coming out? Like, yeah. What's going sure on here? It wasn't like a standee, like a big cardboard cutout. Did you guys actually enter the home? Yeah, we did. And it needed a lot of work. It was big oh. and it had everything we needed, but it needed a lot of work. Oh my and it went this... 171 over asking. The world is broken. Oh my God. They, this show is going to turn into Winged Wheel Podcast House Hunters, but it, there's never going to be a solution. Instead of House Hunters where they always get the house, it's going to be like chasing Sasquatch where they never find Sasquatch. Yeah, we could turn this into a fun game for listeners. So, Crystal and I, what was the date this past Tuesday? That would have been the... The first. The first? Okay. So, December 1st, 2020, first offer Crystal and I put on a house. Let's see how long this takes. If I have one, if I have a house by December 1st, 2021, I will be legitimately surprised. And that's not meant to be funny. I want to die. Hey, buddy. We'll always be here for you. <laughs> Evan and Kat, you guys too. If, you know, we're just out there grinding away. That's all that we can do. Yeah, we're just trying to get some pucks in deep. <laughs> <laughs> trying to trying to bang some bodies. Some, offer, some offers in deep. Here I am, the mouth breather who did no work. My girlfriend bought the house. She's the one renovating it. I'm just sitting here like, this is easy. <laughs> just simply <laughs> simply get a house <laughs> you, and you are basically evicted. the children of any famous politician mm-hmm. yeah yeah like uh i'm speaking with an intense amount of privilege which is why whenever my friends tell me about struggles or having funny homes i'm always like oh that sucks i'm so sorry i try to be as empathetic as possible because i know at any second they're going to realize that i'm a piece of shit <laughs> and they're going to stop talking to me <laughs> um speaking of which uh the dispute between the nhl and nhlpa has kicked up more dust and crap so uh, we'll be covering that and discussing the um progression or lack thereof maybe in uh, trying to find yet another return to play they're not using the phrase return to play but i am just because that's that is what they're debating uh and we'll be talking a little bit about red wings overseas and the upcoming world juniors because we are still allowed to have things that make us happy uh kind of on Kind of, yeah. Um, and then we'll get into overtime or whatever other interludes come in. And just a reminder for those of you who are just tuning in or may have forgotten, um, Sunday episodes during our off season, which is until things start again, which we don't actually have a date for, um, are going to be the regular episodes and midweek episodes are still going to be happening, but they're going to be Patreon exclusive. So hopefully you patrons have been enjoying those. Um, yeah. Probably get right, back so, to what two two an episode, probably about a two per week. So like a month before the season starts, so we can start banging out divisional previews, something like that. I really yeah. don't. Have, we don't have a plan here. Yeah, and honestly, it's been almost six years now. We've never had a plan, so it's worked so far. <laughs> Actually, you know what? You know what might be weird because obviously we'll need enough episodes to do our usual divisional previews and then our big Red Wing season preview. When we know when hockey's coming back and it's a month out, we might not know what the divisions are. Oh, my God. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to be behind the eight ball. We're going to just have to start with the Canadian division by default and then pray (laughs) they get it figured out in between episodes. There's going to be a divisional... uh NHL divisional preview and then NHL divisional preview two redux and then NHL provisional or divisional preview three final final. It's going to be like when you update your resume and you save it as different copies on your computer. 
So basically, we're just going to be redoing the same thing over and over again, but slightly different. So we're basically Hollywood. Look at that. We've made it, boys. Uh, that's that's when you know it's the big bucks. Then we can have like YouTube thumbnails of us going, oh, whoa, with the, those corny like shocked faces. I realized for those of you who are listening, audio only and not on YouTube, that was not good. But uh, for those of you on, on YouTube, please don't make that into a thumbnail. <laughs> uh the NHL um, has continued its efforts with the NHLPA to, uh, depending on who you ask, adjust the terms of the CBA that was signed last summer that had specific provisions in place for how to handle this upcoming season, what with COVID-19 uh, and the pandemic still uh, going strong. So um, there are a lot of, there's a lot of nuance to this and a lot of anger and um, honestly it's kind of comforting in a way last summer was a little too clean it was a little too easy they got that done in a professional way that had foresight and had um, concessions and, and reasonability and that's just never what we've seen from the NHL and the NHLPA um, and it was really jarring um, it shook everything I knew and, and I, I really was uncomfortable with that so now that there there's blood in the air again and uh you know, shit slinging and, and everything like that. It just feels a little bit more like the, uh, the labor disputes we know and love. Um, one of the core pieces of this is the debate about whether the NHL is even operating in good faith right now, saying that the CBA was signed um, and they're asking to reopen a contract. Meanwhile, what um, Gary Bettman is saying, and I'm going to read out a quote here, maybe paraphrase a little bit, saying, under our deal and the one we've had for more than a decade with the Players Association, whatever revenues are the players only get 50%, and if we overpay them, they don't pay us back. In the short term, they have to pay us back over time. There's going to be stresses on the system, and we've had discussions about what those stresses are, et cetera, et cetera. We're trying to look for new ways to work together. I know it's being portrayed as something else, and it's unfortunate, uh, and it's inaccurate because at the end of the day, if the system gets stressed, it's going to be stressed for both of us. If we have to pay out lots of cash, two-thirds of which is going to come back to us, that may cause some stresses, but we can or we'll have to deal with it if we're going to move forward. So what, what he's saying here is that they're not trying to change the terms of the deal. They're basically just trying to alter the way they handle the, uh, the split of revenue, which is at most 50% for the players. It's, I'm going to, like, I'm going to inject my personal opinion here. I think that's pretty crafty lawyer speak from Bettman, which is, his, that's his job to do. Um, is there a point to be made here that, this has benefit to both the players and the owners to work something out. So yes and no. I mean, whether the players want to admit it or not, some teams are struggling and if, and there's a reality, some teams might not be able to keep up with their financial obligations this season, given, you know, whatever industry the owners happen to be in. If they're in like the hospitality industry, hypothetically right now, they're getting shit kicked right now. And, if they don't have a ton of money to go around, yeah, like the Arizona Coyotes have already missed, uh, were late on some paychecks um, at the last return to play and, and had some, was it arena payments they missed as well or, or something weird like that. So obviously it's in Batman's best interest to make sure that they can A, 
get as much money as they can and B, defer whatever money they can't get back so they're not paying it this year, at least most of it this year. Because I don't think Bettman's worried about the Rangers, the Red Wings, the Leafs, the Canadians. Obviously, those owners are like every other businessman. They're trying to make money. They want to make as much money as possible. Um, But he's not worried about them, if that makes sense, even if they're kicking up a stink. There's probably a half a dozen to 10 teams in this league that are seriously struggling financially right now. So I absolutely understand where the owners are coming from. Now, the big old but. You signed in a contract. This did not come out of left field. I don't think there was anybody in the world who thought this would be better by December. I don't think there's anybody who thought we'd be anywhere near back to normal. I don't think there's anybody who thought we'd be starting hockey in January with fans in the stands. So that's not on the players. That You made a bad, horrible bet, and I don't know why they thought it would be any different than it is now. Sure, you can argue to – they knew it would be bad, but to what degree? And they underestimated. Okay, fair. Still your screw-up, right? Like – if I'm at work and I or under order a product and then we sell out and then I lose a ton of sales because I under ordered it, that's on me. I can't make product appear out of the air. The NHL can't make a new agreement appear out of the air. Now, we know we talked about a few episodes ago where basically what the NHL is trying to do is defer payments now and up the escrow later. Well, yeah, that's exactly how they're going to get their money back without air quotes getting their money back, right? Because the one statement that you read out there from what they said that confused the hell out of me is like, we're not trying, we're we're trying to alter revenue so that it's 50-50. I don't understand that. I like, it's 50-50. It is, there's no. What they're saying though is they're going to pay out the players, but the actual income they're going to get because there's not going to be fans in the stands for most, if not all the season um they're not going to get gate revenue like it's not going to match what they're paying out to the players no no i understand that but it's it's still they're going to have hockey related revenue this year it just won't they want be it from now. the gate yeah exactly yeah. so i don't know i i guess i just spent way too long saying i understand it but it's not right I think uh, Greg Wyshynski made a really good point, and him and Alan Walsh, and obviously anyone who follows Alan Walsh knows that there's a lot of colorful uh, uh, opinions there, but he's actually, I think, represented the players in the NHLPA really well and how he's put forward the argument. But Greg Wyshynski made a point saying, um, if COVID was trending in a different direction and the NHL players came to the owners and said, how about we defer less and bring down the escrow? they would have been laughed out of the room and shut down instantly. So my take on this is I don't think it's wrong for the owners to ask, but if we're being realistic here, I, I think that's a great point. I don't think the players would ever have the option or this kind of negotiating power with how much of a hard line owners like Jeremy Jacobs, who again is one of the main drivers of every freaking labor dispute in the NHL, um, Boston owner, for those of you who don't know, um, they never have that kind of leverage, uh, leverage or negotiating power like the NHL owners do. I think they can work something out. I just don't want to see this 
you know, the NHL come out and say the NHLP is being stupid and unreasonable and we're going to cancel it and we're going to get to that threat in a, in a second. But I don't know if Evan was trying to jump in here. Yeah, I, th- I don't know if we touched on it last time we talked about this, but I think it was reported that some of the owners didn't even read what they were signing. They just yeah. took B- Bettman's um, um, suggestion of approving it and they were like, yeah, sure. Mind you, we don't know who- which teams those were. It could have been the Leafs for all they for all we know and why would they care? They have infinity money, so it, it doesn't really affect them in the leaf, uh, the in the in the leaf, in the least. Um, <laughs> kind of. So, yeah. But at the end of the day, when you read stuff like that, it's like, how do you feel bad for them in this situation? Like, if you're not informed, and now you're trying to renege on on your deal, I can't blame the players and and some of the the um, some of the agents saying too bad so sad like it is what it is yeah a big part of that is you know like we're saying if they came at this in a different way and, and we're just asking and saying hey this is way worse than we even anticipated um like we're really hurting it would mean a lot here's some concessions we'll make in the future blah 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 but instead they're doing <laughs> they're coming out and saying they didn't even read the contract which if that's true then I'm sorry, boss, that's on you. And if that's false, then shame on you for bringing that forward. And another thing that's been floated, and this is another one of those media test balloons where they kind of leak it out and just see how people would react very obviously, is the threat of canceling the season under the uh, pretense of what's called force majeure. It's a a contract clause, which basically says, um, you know, an unforeseen circumstance creates a situation where one or both parties in a contract can't fulfill their obligations and you're talking like war act of god pandemic that kind of thing and so someone coming in from the outside might go okay well maybe that might have been okay for last season like finishing off the playoffs but when you have a collective bargaining agreement that was negotiated under these conditions with specific provisions relevant to these conditions, planning to adjust under these conditions, that argument kind of goes out the window, right? Like, If this had been not- signed December last year, I yeah. would totally get it. I'd be like, yeah, things have totally changed. They expected the gates and the, the seats to be filled at the start of January 2021, and things changed. I could totally understand where the owners are coming from because they're getting screwed there. But this happened a few months ago. Like, yeah, it, nothing changed. It's gotten worse. Like everyone pretty much predicted it would. So I don't, I don't get it. I don't think it's likely to happen, but let's just say a hypothetical universe where the NHL just all of a sudden decided to play hardball and, you know, kamikaze themselves into the, into the PA, they'd get taken to court and they'd get, their shit kicked like they just absolutely would not that wouldn't survive in court no they wouldn't certainly not a law expert but um yeah when you read what that clause truly means i don't i don't think it would hold ground in, in court but i could definitely be wrong I mean, forget legal court. That would be suicide in the court of public opinion because this isn't a normal year where the NHL is coming back and it's up against the NFL in week five. The NFL is going to be in the playoffs when 
the NHL's kicking off and the NBA will have already been played for about three to four weeks, given the rough estimated start date for the NHL. They're going to be an afterthought to begin with. So if they don't grab those casual fans somehow, some way early, this season's more dead than it was to begin with. Obviously, the season's going to be a write-off from a profit standpoint, but like can still grow the game. You can still bring in new fans. Like the retro, I can tell you this, we released at my work, the retro reverse jerseys today. That program's a grand slam. Like I know we talked about it on here, but now I can put dollar figures to it. Grand slam. Like we had people waiting when we opened, like you can do creative stuff like that. But do you think that kind of garbage is going to matter if they're not playing? Do you think in a world where people have lost their jobs, have lost loved ones, have maybe gotten sick themselves and are recovering? They're going to have any sympathy in this millionaires versus billionaires fight. I mean, I'm not going to like, I'm again, I was just making light of a situation right now, but me and my wife are not poor and we can't buy a house in this economy. You think I'm going to be, I'm going to have any sympathy over it. Like, obviously I love hockey way too much to ever say, be one of those guys. I'm going to boycott the NHL, but there are a lot of people who will. And there are a lot of casual fans who will forget the NHL exists. I mean, it is scary how weird it feels without hockey in October and November, and you almost don't think about it in your day-to-day life right now. And there's a few things to add to that. We're moving into the colder months for most of North America. There's a lot more TV watched at this time of the year. People are watching Die Hard on Christmas Day because it's the best Christmas movie, and people are watching the NBA. And with the NFL playoffs starting, like, the NHL with not playing is losing a ton of ground on those other major sports. So, you know, revenue aside, like you're losing fringe fans. Like obviously the three of us will always watch and there's the hardcore market that will always watch. But those people who are stuck inside with nothing to do, who, you know, would potentially watch hockey, you're not, you're not getting that target market. And and it's worth mentioning too, because a lot of people don't fully understand what we're saying, because obviously we run a podcast. We obviously consider ourselves diehards. I mean, we we have been doing this for almost six years now, but, and then you're listening this to listening to this right now saying, oh yeah, well, I'm kind of a casual fan. I'm not going to go anywhere. You're listening to a podcast about your favorite team in the off season. You are not a casual Like we're talking the guy whose favorite team is the Lions, then his next favorite team is the Tigers, and he'll pay attention to the Red Wings, maybe watch, you know, 25, 30 games a year, maybe go to a couple games. Like he's just kind of, yeah, it's something like it's it's how I am with the, with basketball. I'll watch the beginning of the season and I'll kind of keep an eye on my favorite team throughout the year. And then I get invested in the playoffs. The NHL can't afford to lose people like that right now. That's still money. That's still eyes. When the NHL starts back up, that's gate revenue they're getting. This guy might not go get a customized jersey, but he might buy a couple hats, a couple t-shirts. When the season starts up again next year with fans, he'll buy or she'll buy a few tickets here and there. And guess what? Their viewership is ad revenue. The more people like that watching the games, it's money. So obviously the NHL and the players are trying to get their money now. The world sucks. Everybody's bleeding. We need our money now, but they got to be very careful to not be too short-sighted about too short-sighted about this because 
uh, another lockout right now. I, I can't fathom how many years this sets the NHL behind. They've done a good job of gaining ground over the last 10 to 15 years, and that could be all undone in the next two yeah. months. I think a lot of it could be resolved with some pretty enticing concessions by the owners, what they might be. I I, I didn't think that far ahead. I've just, you know, just putting the track down as I roll across it with my thought process. Um <laughs> But instead of just, you know, going back to the well and asking for a little bit more from the players, they need to offer concessions. And I think that would get this resolved maybe a little bit sooner. Yeah. Um, I, oh God, I was listening to another podcast. I, I listened to too many podcasts, so I, I forgive whichever podcast I'm not crediting for this. But they said... You forgive could, them? <laughs> I Sorry, I forgive them. I forgive <laughs> you for you not being more memorable. I think it honestly was 31 thoughts. So, um one of the hosts brought up a great point. Actually, yeah, it was Merrick. So it definitely was 31 thoughts. This could be the player's time to kind of twist Batman's arm to get more revenue in ways that he didn't want to before. Now, these are two ideas that I'm personally against, but I understand why the players would push for them now. And honestly, given the need for revenue right now, I'm not even that against them anymore. Do a play-in series for the playoffs. Extend it to expand it to 10 teams and, and make like a whole big three, four day weekend event out of it. However you want to do best of two, best of three series. Now you've got two more teams in the playoffs, two more fan bases with eyes on the playoffs, more excitement, more attention. The players could push for that. They're like, all right, you're going to take money from us now. Here's one way you're going to make more money for us in the future. Ads on jerseys was the other one they brought up. It's, it's revenue. Just a little patch on the opposite chest or on the shoulder that brings in a lot of money whether people want to admit it or not sponsors will pay unbelievable amounts of money to be the one sponsor on an nhl jersey so i mean there are creative outlets here and most of the creativity is way beyond my capabilities so i don't have any good ideas hence why i'm stealing another uh why i'm stealing merrick's ideas to bring up here but i mean it's a good point there's there's absolutely some out of the box thinking to be done here to appease both parties. But if they, if that doesn't happen, the owner's concession is going to have to be to honor the damn CBA they signed. Yeah. Like, you know, think about the NBA jerseys, like the Toronto Raptors, for example, they have a sun life logo on it, but one of the greatest companies in the world, I'm told. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I hear they pay their employees very well. They could pay us a little bit better, I heard. Um, but it's not offensive. It's, you know, Sent nicely incorporated. Boss. Yeah, nicely incorporated into the jerseys, and you don't really notice it. You see it once in a while. I'm like, oh, there's Sun Life, greatest company in the world. So that's something Would I, I wouldn't be upset if it's just more revenue. And if it leads to less lockouts, I'm happy about it. Um, one thing you always hear about is players wanting to express themselves a little bit more whether maybe that would be through social media or one thing they always say is they want to wear their own clothes to the games like NBA players do. And it, it makes a huge statement for a lot of them. Like think about guys like Serge Ibaka. He makes a ton of money because of what he wears to games. That's another alternate revenue stream that players could tap into. Um, I'm not sure how that really works between players, owners, dress code and all that fun stuff, but that's another potential area for revenue. The players sound like they want to tap into and okay. it's something that could be you know allowed in the cba or 
allowed them to you know be a little bit more free in that regard all right i have it i have the solution to all of life's problems based on evan's idea players are allowed to wear their own clothing into the arena burger king sponsors henrik lundqvist and he walks in in the full burger king king outfit because he is the king and he's just like carrying a bag with What's a Burger King slogan? Have it your way or some crap like that. With that just plastered on it. Beard, crown, and all. It's There's so weird. $100,000 for five seconds of work for King It's Henry. so weird, but I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. First of all, <laughs> it would it would be the... like They would actually talk about hockey on ESPN for 30 seconds. <laughs> like, it's exposure. It's, it, it, it's not hurting anyone. It's funny. Like... Who cares? Unless, you know, there's probably a sponsor. McDonald's, let's say, is a sponsor of the NHL, and they'd probably get pissed. Well, you got to work that out. I think it'd be great. I would love that. I mean, what's the fastest growing sport in North America right now? The NBA. What does the NBA do better than every other league in the world? They advertise their players. They market their players. They let their players market themselves, build their own brands. I literally was on TikTok where a dude was ranking NBA's players' personal logos for their brands. Like, think about that. He could do a top 10 best and a top 10 worst. <laughs> Is there an NHL player that has his own brand with logo? Like, I can't think Matthew- of one off the top of my head. Matthews is getting there in terms of having his own brand. Like Matthews like is really into fashion and like you see him more and more in fashion magazines. And you know what? Like I'm not going to sit here and get on a soapbox for Austin Matthews of all people or all players, I should say. Um, but it is, a, it's a tough thing to do that because you're pretty ostracized when you try that in the NHL. PK Subban had the audacity to try that while he's black, which is, you know, whoa. <laughs> hey, yeah. whoa. Yes. So he faced, he faced even more heat than Matthews did, of course. But Matthews, for sure, like you, you log on and you see people saying, oh, what a pussy, like, oh, focus on the game. And meanwhile, this guy is going to be the best scorer of his generation. But you are seeing it little by little. And it's not like, this has devolved into a, a conversation saying players should wear crazy clothes. It's not what it is. It's it's a it's a larger discussion on players should be allowed to express their personality in ways that are marketable a little bit more because it'll lead to organic marketing of players to people who wouldn't otherwise watch, but they watch ESPN. They watch those thirty second snippets of all sports on ESPN and the ESPN, and they call themselves sports fans. Well, you know if they're watching. Um, Austin Matthews come in or Dylan Larkin come in with a boombox on his shoulder with a rap he did about how he's going to beat the shit out of Jonathan Taves and the Blackhawks. That's funny as hell. Again, th- these are like straw man, the most outlandish ideas. And for sure, the hockey purists, which we're all hockey purists listening are like, these guys are nuts. I'm never going to listen to them again. But like, it's a there is something like, like, yeah, there at the, there is something at the root of that, of these statements though. It's, make the NHL more fun, maybe a little bit more entertaining and let the players grow the game for you. Like you don't always have to be yeah. going through the corporate Avenue, let your players do the marketing for you and, and pay cir- them for, and let them get paid for it. And circling back to why that's relevant to this current conversation is yeah, what, what are we talking about? So if the, but the point of this <laughs> is if the NHL says we can't give you as much money as you want this year, we need to defer more or we just can't give it to you. The players would be like, are you, so you're telling us the league can't exist if we don't do that? All right, loosen up the restrictions and the rules so we can make our own money off our own image and our own brand. That's the exactly. point of that conversation. Like, 
I'm, I was being sarcastic and stupid about King Henrik walking in in a Burger King costume. But if they're willing to pay the dude a million dollars to do that for a year, the NHL wouldn't let him do that right now. Loosen up the restrictions so that he could. Now, I don't know the... I'm not even going to pretend to know the ins and outs of what NHL players can do and what they can't do and yada, yada, yada. But like, it is absurd. And even, and teams even have further restrictions. Um, there was a, I'm not going to say who, but um, I was having a conversation with a father of a Toronto Maple Leaf who was a rookie about a half a decade ago. That's as specific as I'll get on that. Mitch Marner. He, he had his own clothing line and other things that he wanted to sell. So Lou Lamorello was still the GM of the Leafs at the time. This player was forbidden as a rookie to sell his own clothing because he hadn't earned that right. Yeah. <laughs> Rookies <laughs> don't get that privilege. He also uh, wasn't allowed to wear the jersey here. number he wanted because he had a cool idea with what he could do with his jersey number in relevant relevant to the Leafs history like so we can dump on the NHL all we want but like it's the teams too so the NHL has to convey this message to the teams as well now obviously Leafs players are happy now because Lou Lamarillo is gone currently ruining the New York Islanders lives but um, I mean like stuff like that is I I hear that and it it just physically hurts my brain well wasn't there like a rela- sorry finish your point so like in, in finishing the conversation i had with his father and i'm like well he's making money it's not like he's poor he's like okay but here's a hypothetical five games into the season he blows out his acl he's never the same player he loses millions upon millions upon millions of dollars in career earnings because he's never the same player he could have been and he just lost out on millions of potential dollars because the GM or the owner or the leagues were assholes and wouldn't let him sell his own stuff. Wasn't there like a relaxed dress code for the bubble this year and players were pretty happy? But then I think there was maybe it was Vancouver. The the team made them get like they gave them team golf shirts and like had to wear khakis or something. Like, <laughs> I guess just... that was player led, but yeah, it's yeah something like, you like said, that. Systemic. The point here isn't that dress codes are inherently bad. It's that there is an untapped potential in exactly what Evan said. Players are the best way to market the game. Let them do it for you. Um, just a quick side note here. When Brad brought up uh, advertising on jerseys, my watch buzzed at me and said, maybe I should take a breath. It literally said, maybe you should do some <laughs> relaxing breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I, I I don't like it. I, I, I'm a hockey jersey purist. Um, but even I, like in... In hashtag these trying times, if the league is really that hard up for money, make your money where you can make your money. You need to diversify your revenue streams. If getting fans into the seats is what causes seasons to be uh, suspended or canceled, you got to find new ways to make money. Because if one tier like that is the driving force, your your business model isn't, uh, isn't that great. And if we're going to put ads on jerseys, let's get real weird. McDonald's sponsors every player in the NHL with the number three in their number, and it's just a sideways golden arches. <laughs> uh, the only jersey ad I'm comfortable with for Detroit um, is uh, our logo, so we're going to have to crowdfund that. I imagine it's going to be a pretty penny. So Yeah, we could probably crowdfund. You know, what do you think? That'd be 20 mil for a season? You, you know exactly oh. what teams would do. They would 
if they didn't get a higher bidder, they'd put their own logos. So, for example, Little Caesars would be on the jerseys, which I wouldn't be opposed to, but it would just be a cyclical way of those companies making more and more money off essentially free advertisement because they own the team. Little Caesars is already on the building. It'll be the casino. Yeah, could be something like that. Um, all right, I'm going to pivot us along here to, oh, sorry, some smaller updates. Uh, it looked like talks have gone well since then. There's a small like blip in the radar where four teams were considering outdoor games. I think it was the Penguins, Bruins, Kings, and Ducks. And that's, it's hey. going to be too expensive to run for a league that says they're going to lose $150 million per team this year. But they would get gate from those because it's outdoors. Restrictions are loosened. And the Blackhawks already play all their games outdoors, so. Yeah, and I mean, well, that's what I'm going to say. If you want the world to feel if you want the world to feel normal again, give the Penguins an outdoor game. So where talks are at right now is that apparently there's been some progress. Nothing is imminent, but they think they're they can still get something done for mid January season start and beginning of January training camp for a 52 to 56 game season. So we'll see where that actually goes. There's I'm sure going to be more updates before next episode. So what you're telling me is all Anthony Mantha has to do is do a one goal per game to hit the 50 goal mark this year. Gretzky did it. Why can't Mantha? Cake. (laughs) That's going to go on a shirt. (laughs) (laughs) The World Juniors. um, Camps are going and and final rosters haven't been selected, but we know what uh, prospects have at least the uh, potential to make these teams. Um, And by my count, I think the Red Wings – have the most camp invites for drafted prospects out of any other team with 11, the closest being the Kings with 10. But yeah, I think the Red Wings are are topping this list. If we took Sweden out of it, we'd probably have the least. (laughs) Um, So a quick readout of these uh, camp invites, and then maybe we can talk about the players specifically. Well, let's Um, uh, read out one team at a time, and then we'll cover the odds. So... Uh, Jan Bednar for the Czech Republic, obviously the fourth round pick from this past season. He's got a shot, and if he does, he'll get shelled. Um, I mean, Czech, they always overperform, I feel, in tournaments. Um, uh, they had maybe not. Not usually. How did they do last year? I don't even remember. Uh, not well. Yeah, Let's they lost see. to Germany, so not well. Yeah, last year was not good. How about 2019? Because I know they meddled not Was that Zadina? Their, their last notable year, I think, was Zadina's first time playing in the World Juniors. 2018, they came fourth. Yeah, that was that year. Yeah, maybe they've they've had a rough go of it since. Um, yeah, if he makes it in, he'll have his work cut out for him. Uh, and Team Finland, Emil Vero third round pick from this past season uh he'll he'll be on the team i'll be surprised if he's not uh the bigger note there was anti Misto was not there a he surprise was pen- he was penciled in as um a top pairing defenseman for that team on a lot of the initial roster projections now that being said his season with the university of denver just got underway We've already seen the University of Michigan not release Owen Power to Team Canada's camp. So I I have a gut feeling him not being there has less to do with Team Finland and more to do with what the University of Denver wanted for him. Right I now. also saw some Finnish 
people on Twitter saying that the Finnish Hockey Association or whatever their governing body is has a rocky relationship with the NCAA. So that could play into it as well. Classic rivalry, the Finnish Hockey Federation and the NCAA. Well, any the NCAA versus like anybody is honestly a pretty yeah. classic rivalry. Um, and then the last or no, no, there's two more teams before Sweden. So Donovan Sabrango uh, got invited to uh, Canada's camp, and again another third round pick from last year. He was probably the longest shot of all the defensemen invited to make Team Canada. Um, he has played with them at the Halinka before, and he was a long shot to make that team. He's done, uh, so he's done it. That being said, when Corey Pronman did his uh, roster projections based on you know what they did last year and what they've done in camp leading up, he had Sabrango as one of the extras on the roster. So uh, he's been playing very well there. Um, again, Sabrango's a lot like McIsaac in the sense that he's not flashy, but he's effective. Um, although in a lot of ways I do like Sabrango's upside a bit more and in some ways I don't. Um, but yeah, so he, he's having a strong camp again. I'm not betting on him making the team team Canada's defense is unreal. Um, but the fact he's even in the conversation at this point is, is a testament to how, how good he actually is. Um, and then I guess this one has fallen by the wayside since um, the camps were announced, but just for the sake of the conversation. Uh, uh, oh, sorry, just a quick correction. I kept saying last year when talking about Vero and Sabrango and Bednar, last season's draft is what I meant. Uh, but this next one for Team USA, Robert Masters Simone. Uh, narrowly missed making the team last year. So he was, in my mind, a lock to make Team USA this year. Until he got the Rona or was in close contact with someone who had the Rona. Because of COVID protocols, he is not eligible for the tournament anymore. Who is that? It's Edvinson, right? Um, the Swedish defenseman who can't... William Eklund was the forward. Eklund. Yeah, and it was Eklund. just announced today that their likely first-line center, Carl Henriksson, is also out due to the protocol. Um, and then... Speaking of Team Sweden, here are all of Detroit's invites. <laughs> Buckle up, everybody. Gustav- We're going to be here a while. 2019 sixth-round pick Gustav Berglund. 2019 second-round pick Albert Johansson. 2020 second-round pick William Wallander. 2019 third-round pick Albin Greva. Uh, 2020 second-round pick Theodore Niederbach. Uh, 2019 sixth-round pick Elmer Soderblom. And, of course, 2020's first-round pick Lucas Raymond. I think he's got a good shot to make the team. Uh, I'm being honest, (laughs) real good shot. Um, I think, I mean, it's so hard to project this team. I would say Johansson and Raymond are probably the only quote unquote locks. I think Niederbach is, has a, uh, an above average chance to make this team a really strong chance, especially with the news that Eklund and, Hendrickson aren't going to be there. Another center spot's open. So Niederbach, uh, that's beneficial for him. Um, I think Berglund's chances are decent. I think Wallander is a bit of a long shot. Um, I think one of Greva or Soderblom will get in there. I don't think it'll be both based on roster projections. So that just might be whoever performs better. But I mean, there is a reality here where all seven of them make it. But I think comfortably it'll be four to five. 
Yeah. Uh, isn't Soderblom dealing with a foot thing right now? Uh, maybe. I haven't been following the injury report super closely. But again, that just opens things up a little bit more for Niederbach. I would love to see Niederbach in there. Um, again, just because in terms of guys who we think have a high ceiling, but we need to unlock that uh, that talent, um, he slots in pretty firmly. Um, he's getting a little bit more play time, a little bit more exposure, scored a goal uh, in the SHL, so he's not down in their junior leagues. Um, so it's nice to see him get that and, and to, to see that kind of train go and have him have an expanded role even into the world juniors would be really big for his development and for um, fans to see what he could possibly do. Man, having him alongside Raymond would just be like, <laughs> it would be a treat from the heavens for Red Wings fans. I mean, holidays. he might um, if he has a really good camp because the projected top line for Sweden and and a lot of people were saying what was going to be the most dominant line in the tournament was going to be Alex Holtz, Carl Henriksen, and Lucas Raymond. And Henriksen's not there anymore. So Sweden's roster, man, they, they were a legit contender and they still are a contender, but losing uh, Eklund and Henriksen, oh, that's a big blow. Yeah. So obviously most of our listeners are going to be cheering for Team USA, a lot of them for Team Canada as well, but I feel like everyone's just going to be cheering for Team Sweden as their second team, or if you're one of our Swedish listeners, as your first team. So, Yeah, um, if they're playing anybody but Canada, I'm absolutely cheering for them. Yeah, I'm... I cannot explain to you how much I am looking forward to the World Juniors. I'm arguably looking forward to the World Juniors more than I am to the NHL season, I think. Why? Because the team we're cheering for has a realistic chance of winning a championship? Yes, and uh, it'll be exciting to watch the Red Wings play. (laughs) (laughs) So more news will come out on uh, who's made these teams closer to the World Juniors. That'll be kind of filtering in over the next little while, and uh, we'll talk about a little bit more then. All right. Anything else? Oh, I saw big news. I saw um, a stupid list of the thickest players in the NHL and Dylan (laughs) Larkin wasn't on there. Thickest thickest captains. And I just have to imagine the moment Larkin gets his C, they're going to reshoot that commercial. The hockey butt commercial and then he'll top the list. But I was like, ugh, yeah, this is premature. Um, also in case you needed proof that the NHL is not the most popular sport in America and needs to be, uh, advertised more, um, a local Boston news station interviewed, uh, someone on, uh, like on air about a snowstorm that they were having, um, not knowing that they were talking to, uh, hockey legend Jerome Ginla. So hilarious and mildly depressing. It's even really worse funny. because he played in Boston. Yeah. Yeah. He played there. He played hockey for that team and that town is a really good they have a really good hockey town like there it's a good hockey fan base there and uh, is it use that term good loosely i certainly do have you met me (laughs) uh volume of fans is probably on the high side that's as far as i'm willing to go wasn't there a similar scenario where um a Vancouver news station or like their weather station interviewed Roberto Luongo and they didn't know who he was while he was playing on the team. Yeah. Yeah. He had his uh, backwards hat in the shades. I remember that. (laughs) That's bad. That's really bad. That wasn't Uh, Lou. That was Strombone one. Oh, Uh, my mistake. Didn't it happen to Adrian Peterson this summer too? Yeah, that's what it was. So funny. You're like, that guy looks like Adrian Peterson. Oh, that's Adrian Peterson. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. And if that's all we have, we are going to jump into overtime. Uh, overtime is a segment where we take fan questions, comments, concerns, and rude remarks towards Brad. Um, and we start out with Patreon every time because our patrons, our supporters are the reason we're able to continue the show um, and do the things we're able to do. So thank you guys. Almost six years strong. La Plata Peak says the players are going to cave and take deferments. What is the number one thing they should demand in return the next CBA in order to offset the cornholing they're about to experience? <laughs> so, um, unlimited pizza. Eat their losses. Yeah, I really think, like, on a serious note, they really should lean into the Olympics thing, like, as a more permanent thing, like a more permanent solution. Yeah, but that's not a money maker for the, the for the players. Again, I, I'm circling back to what we talked about: loosen the restrictions on the players, let them make their own money. I would pay good money, like, and I mean good money, to see uh, Tyler Bertuzzi hawking used cars on in commercials on Fox Sports Detroit on the regular, and then come but out that does happen. I know, but then when you follow it up, I want him wearing that dealership's jersey and warm ups. So let's get weird. <laughs> stupid no i hate you um maybe uh maximizing the number of back-to-backs a team can play in a season that might be something small that they could probably get for for the cheap not this i think players would hate that maximize the number no sorry minimize yes okay yeah yeah yeah. sorry i should have said they cap the number of back-to-backs yeah there really should be kind of a make our bodies whole once more provision moving yes. forward uh yakaruta says long time no comment so let's get some things off my mind one of mantha's contract comparables on cap friendly is josh anderson and josh anderson has a 5.75 million dollar cap hit for seven years compare that to mantha and it seems like mantha has a great contract it's because he does um number two even with the shortened season be it anything between 48 and 56 games the red wings might get more points than they did last season oh god the last lockout it's possible yeah in the last lockout shortened season the only two teams uh only two teams had worse records than the red wings panthers with 36 points 15 27 and 6 and colorado avalanche with 39 points 16 25 and 7 ew uh former defenseman ryan Hanna says i've been thinking about getting into beer league hockey after covid any advice on gear slash expectations wise for someone in their mid-20s who's never played more than pond hockey uh yeah even lower level leagues are gonna feel faster than you think and that's fine that that feeling goes away after a few games um as far as gear goes uh for beer league hockey get what's comfortable there is no best brand. There is no, well, I mean, there is when you're getting into the, like the high end equipment, which is a waste of money for 90% of beer leaguers. Um, get what's comfortable. Go into the store, try stuff on. Expensive does not necessarily mean better for his needs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like expensive usually means better quality, but it also generally means stiffer, harder to break in. Um, even like on an expensive stick, it's only worth it if you know how to use it. Like save your money, get what's comfortable, get the low end. It's fine. There's a, there's two things. There's only two things I tell people not to cheap out on when no matter what level of hockey they're playing helmet and skates, you can't fix your brain. And if your feet hurt the entire time you're on the ice, (laughs) you're not going to have any fun. So those are the two things. If you're going to dump any actual coin in, do it there. 
Beyond that, who cares? Tinted visors are really good for the bright lights of the arena. Get those. <laughs> or if, and, uh, if, you, if, you, if you, but if you need, with- you get one of those metal uh, the bird cage visors. <laughs> Just get one of those. Moment. Yeah, that's yeah, no, you need everyone the, knows. You, you need, need the business. tinted visor to help from the glare off of your white gloves. Yeah, because <laughs> it reflects light pretty hard. Um, uh. I find I was th- just thinking about how you said don't cheap out on skates. I my my rule is do not t- cheap out on anything that touches the ground. Shoes, yeah. which I will say is also skates, car tires, and a bed. Don't yeah. Sk- yeah. never never skimp out on those. That's legit. Uh, Dylan Steubenrauk says, "Are there any Detroit prospects that play together in the same team in the SHL, Czech League, or any other leagues right now?" Oh yeah, plenty. Uh, right? Niederbach and Raymond. And oh, I guess plenty Soderblom at points. Um, yeah, Frolunda. Just I'll look at Frolunda's roster going Frilunda all the way down to the Red junior Wings. teams. Yeah, that might be it though. Could be that. How funny would that be if they just did a full Detroit pivot? Yeah, oh, uh, Heronik and Zadina in the Czech Republic right now, technically. Right, but uh, yeah, because Siders alone. Don't, hmm? they don't oh play no, the they're in the though. same league, different teams. That's right. Yeah. Um, Siders alone on Rogla. Grava's alone in Jurgarden. Valeno's Is anyone alone on Malmo with no? Yeah. I have a feeling Setkov got called up to one of these teams, but I don't know that much. And honestly, I barely pay attention to Setkov at this point because yeah. Uh Andrew uh Hadel or Hodel. You always tell me and I always forget. It says, good evening, gentlemen. During this past week, there's been a lot of talk about outdoor games during the COVID crisis on social media. I think there needs to be more outdoor games anyways. Thoughts? No. Less. It'll be too expensive. They won't do it because it'll be too expensive. Honestly, I hate. In COVID world, they need to stop. Um, The outdoor games are really fun to go to and awful to watch on TV. And since 99% of the people watching that game are not going to be at the game you know let's let's do less the watering down of the outdoor games is the biggest travesty the nhl has done for something special like the 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 winter classic january 1st hung over on the couch best best day ever but it's now that we have 17 chicago outdoor games a year with 12 pittsburgh games i the winter classic means nothing to me at this point right now like yeah. I'm not I'm not exaggerating when I say at least once in each of the last 3 seasons. And again, this is relevant. We follow the NHL very closely. Obviously the Red Wings more than the rest of the teams. There were there was at least one outdoor game in each of the last 3 years that I completely forgot was a thing until the week of the game. That's how you know there's too many. Uh, Mike, uh, Gemignani or Gemignani says, Hey guys, quick question regarding the Calder. Let's say Cider plays around 20 games. Um, this coming season after the SHL finishes, would he be eligible for the rookie award or would he need to play a full year? Thanks for all you do. Keep up the great work. I don't think there's a minimum. I think there's a maximum. So let's for simplicity sake of explaining the rules let's assume this is an 82 game season if he lights the world on fire in 20 games he could win the award that being said uh, it would have to be a really weak rookie crop and he'd have to be at like three points a game to pull that off that being said in a normal year you're still a rookie until you've played 25 games so if he only plays 20 games this year he will still be eligible for the calder 
the following season. So even if he doesn't win it in those 20 games, he could still win it the next year because what was it? Ken Dryden won a Stanley Cup before he won the rookie of the year. Yeah, that makes sense. So it's you got to think Sider's chances would be better in his second go round. Uh, Lars, the prophet of the towering behemoth, says completely off topic as a teacher of religion, social science, and history. I think I have to ask you this question. Besides your apparent expertise in ancient Chinese war machines, what is your favorite historical era and who is your favorite person in history? I find it very hard, but maybe I just can't see the forest for the tree buckets. Um, Picking a favorite's difficult. I'm big into uh, uh, American Revolutionary War stuff. Um, the story of Lafayette's super super interesting obviously the the play hamilton really exposed me to that so such a nerd yeah man (laughs) yeah he's thinking of all these periods and my first answer in my head is uh the 1950s and gordy howe that's the most brad answer yeah it really is i mean i have some secondhand interest in um the peak of the i don't even know what it's called the egyptian era because crystals really really into that and watches a ton of documentaries and stuff on that so i kind of secondhand catch it all and i it's pretty interesting so is that because she's a mummy all right well that's it for this episode (laughs) of the winged wheel podcast oh man do you have one evan um i read a lot of literature on the second world war before during and after so i'm not as well versed as i used to be when i read books but um (laughs) Yeah, that period was quite fascinating to me. Um, okay. Uh, Ghost of... Oh, this is a good one. Ghost of Podcast Past says, Hello, hot take from years past. Oh, uh, no. The, yeah. I hope yeah. it's not this me. Account already. Oh, I, I either you, love it or hate it. I think both. You guys are going to like this one. Ryan, so here's a hot take that you might think is stupid. I think Mike Babcock gets fired and Sheldon Keefe takes his spot in the next couple of seasons. Brad, you're right. That is stupid. No chance in hell they do that. It's not like they have a precedent they can look at of firing a coach and promoting from within the organization and and an AHL coach with a glittering reputation. Evan. Yeah, Ryan, that's not going to happen. I'm sorry, but that's a terrible hot take. Ryan. Why did I agree with Brad? He probably sounded very convincing. (laughs) I mean, they did miss the playoffs after the switch. Ryan, yeah, but they have precedent, like you said, Brad, and Keith is not going to wait forever. Ryan, please take this time to gloat over stupid heads, Evan and Brad. You're welcome. Look, I'm not going to because I think for every one of those that I nailed, I have 10 more that I haven't, and I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Yeah, there's. I don't think any of us have a winning record. No. Oh, absolutely <laughs> not. I'll never let Ryan off the hook for just insinuating that the Abdulkader contract might not be terrible when it was. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, it was under the, the, the pretext of Datsuk has to keep shooting off his ass for the next however many years. And that didn't work out that way. Yeah, we're just, you're just banking on Datsuk's zombie ankle holding up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jonathan Pennock says, gents, I didn't grow up playing or even watching hockey. It just isn't popular in my family. I got into it during college and I've grown to love it. Uh, I feel like I have a pretty decent understanding of the game, but now I'd love to dive deeper into the mechanics slash nuances. Have you ever considered dedicating a few episodes to explaining hockey basics, terminology, etc.? Or if you know of any good sources online, keep up the good work. Cheers. You know, oh, that's something that we've toyed to. with. Yeah, we've toyed with that. Um, we kind of just wanted to gauge interest. Obviously, times like right now, we have a little bit more bandwidth to, to to dive into a project like that. 
thing is we haven't had an off season in a long time so it's been a while since we've we've done it if you guys are interested in that kind of thing let us know a lot of people who listen to the show um will know that stuff but it doesn't hurt just to have as like an evergreen little series like the i would if i had unlimited free time i would do an entire podcast dedicated to just this and by entire podcast i don't mean an episode i mean like a separate podcast where i just talk about stuff like that talking strategy mechanics of shooting mechanics of skating mechanics of passing like the little nuances and and deception needed to be an elite nhl player i love talking about that stuff i live for it so i would absolutely love to do something like that in the future when we get a bit more time uh steve langerman says hey gents thanks again for the podcast and patreon episodes love hearing you guys a little bit more candid than usual my quick around the room questions this week uh for ryan not really a question but you should totally make the wings and pizza shirt you referenced a few episodes ago i know i'd buy it and i'm not sure and i'm sure a lot of other listeners would it's just too good we seriously can't ever let you live that one down uh, Brad Pierre uh, said in the Chicklets interview this week that this draft was the best since 03. Do you agree? Um, and if so, what would that make Raymond's ceiling in that comparison? Um, and what would be the third draft best draft since 03? Um, no, I don't agree with that statement. I think the best draft since 03 is 2015, and that's going to be damn near impossible to beat. Um, 03 draft was deep, but it didn't have like the the top of that draft wasn't crazy elite like what were the top three picks flurry uh horton and and someone else bowmeister maybe i get the, a couple of those drafts mixed up but it wasn't like a crazy top end whereas in this one you have a lot for a nearby field stutzland uh, raymond so I, I don't know i don't think it really has any impact on what raymond's is but again i look at the 2015 draft and if you want to compare it to that you have the the main star lafreniere mcdavid i'm not saying lafreniere will be that good but still you have the secondary star who everybody thought, hey, maybe Byfield, Eichel. And then you look at fourth overall in 2015, Mitch Marner. Who's our number one comparison for Lucas Raymond? Mitch Marner. I'm just saying, if it's going to mimic any draft, I'd be okay with that one. Flurry, Stahl, and Horton was the top three that year. Stahl, Stahl. Yeah, not yeah. Bomeister. That was the year before, I think. Uh, Joe D'Elia says, sup- oh, he also asked Evan, top three courses you played or worst three or any favorite Michigan courses. As always, boys, can't thank you enough for the continual content. Let's go Red Wings. Um, I honestly haven't played too many high-end courses. Uh, PGA National is really nice. That would be a high-end course. Um, honestly, Whistlebear is one of the best courses in Ontario, in my opinion. Um... Another good one I've played is The Rock up in Minette, which is in the Muskokas. It's reasonably priced. It's a Nick Faldo course, and it's like it's beautiful. Can I can I shamelessly interject on this one? Because I actually this is my one golf thing where I can actually brag about something. I birdied the Valley at Glen Abbey. It's my single greatest hole I've ever played in my life, and that <laughs> I've is never, the most. I haven't played Glen Abbey. That. When you're standing in that tee box, I can't imagine there's a more beautiful overlook in Ontario than that one hole. It's unreal. Um, Joe D'Elia says, sup guys, if Paddy Wah was uh, traded to a different Western team that was bad at the time, do you think the rivalry would have been as bad and would Detroit have won another cup? Curious what you guys think. Thanks as always. 
I don't think so. It de- well, it depends who Colorado's goaltender was. If they were still going with Eric Fichot or Stefan Fisay or whoever the hell it was, no, of course not, because Colorado would not have been as good a team as they were. They would have still been good, don't get me wrong, but I mean, the reason the Colorado-Detroit rivalry was so fierce for so long is because they were essentially the two best teams in that conference for over half a decade. Um, Dallas obviously had something to say about that in the meantime, but what... Outside of Dallas, it was the Red Wings and the Avalanche going to the finals every year but two between 95 and 2002. So, yeah, you take Patrick Waugh off of that, it's not the same. Uh, Sam W. says, watching North Dakota the last few days has me th- has me thinking Ottawa is going to have a really good decor soon. I know they took some flack from uh, some over their selections outside of Stutzla, but Sanderson and Clevin look quick, strong, and smart, and they can both shoot the puck better than I realized. Bernard uh, Docker looks NHL ready. If not, the Senators, who uh, should be, who we should be eyeing as our major opposition in the division slash conference for the next five, seven years, five to seven years. Um, oh, sorry, that question was: If not Ottawa, who should we be eyeing as major opposition? Ah, uh, frick, I don't know. Uh, it's a crappy answer, but it's. Toronto, they're young. They are not an old team. They are still going to be good for a while. Um, I don't love uh, Boston's future. I don't love what Montreal's doing. I get where you're coming from with Ottawa, and they're absolutely going to be in there. But as long as Eugene Melnick's the owner, I'm going to approach with caution. I think I think a lot of people, like not this season, but like looking in the long term, I think a lot of people are sleeping on Buffalo. Eichel's not old. Darlene's only going into his, what, third year? Like they got a couple goalies in the pipeline that could be all right. And that's been their biggest problem for the last couple of years. Man, I, I think the Sabres are on a good track. Now, it's Buffalo. They find new and creative ways to be just the caricature of dysfunction, but if everything goes right between Eichel, Darlene, Cousins, and whoever else they have there, they they got something. Uh, Cody, or sorry, Jacob Charlip says, hey guys, hope all is well. If you could pick three pieces, number one center, number one D, and one more to bring this team closer to contender status, who would they be and pick a player comparison for the upcoming drafts we can hope for slash target? Uh, McDavid, Darlene, and I don't give a shit who else. <laughs> Can I have McDavid play three different positions? A comparison for the upcoming drafts uh, immediately. Um, his name's escaping me, not this next draft, but the one Shane after. Wright? Shane Wright. Shane, Shane Wright. Uh, Brant Clark. Whoever else. Shane Wright, Brant know. Clark, and Jesper Oalstedt. Although that would require us getting an extra first rounder this year. But hey, let's try. Cody Stark says, would you rather have the two-line pass rule back in the NHL or have flaming Hot Cheeto dust fingers for the rest of your life? Two-line right. pass. It'd stop freaking Blashill from implementing that stupid full ice pass dump garbage that he does. I'm a big fan of flaming Hot Cheeto dust, so I might not even say no to that. Um, Hockey Virgin says, what's up, guys? Right now, my testosterone is up after that Lions game, so I'll try to calm it down. Just wondering, what is better for a prospect? Would it be to just take the player to a league where he's able to go against grown, experienced men or go to college where he's able to experiment on techniques? What's, uh, what is the good and bad for both? The answer to this is that it depends on the player and what they need in their development. Um, 
you look at a guy like Ethan Phillips, who Detroit drafted a couple drafts ago, uh, really talented, um, but still needed time to mature physically. Uh, smaller guy so it'll do well for him to go and play four years in college and uh, that's that's not easy hockey to play Um, it's not just an experimental league like you're playing by the end of it against grown men Um, I don't even want to say there's advantages or disadvantages Um, it's really just all circumstantial in my mind yeah, for like hypothetically, I, I still believe if we're talking about long-term development, it would have been better for Lucas Raymond to play junior last year. I know he would have been way too good for that league, but he was getting eight minutes in for Lunda. He had to play a very systematic style. He's he's a player built on creativity. If he was dummying the junior league so hard that he was finding new and creative ways to produce offense long term that's good because that's more tools in his tool belt now obviously going into this year he's way too good for juniors so he would have no choice but you know that that's just kind of an argument you can make there for a player like that whereas you know i don't know if the red wings have a good prospect but like if you have like a gigantic physical specimen in your system put him up against men because he needs to develop against people he can't physically dominate like Michael Rasmussen, for example, like he went back to junior for that year and everybody got so hyped because they're like, oh my God, look at these numbers. It's crazy. Yeah. But he was, he was a lit, almost literally a men amongst boys. So of course he's going to dominate. He would have been a guy better off going into some low level professional league against men the following season. So, you know, it's dependent. RC Tendy says, so now no streaming services will have Fox Sports Detroit for whenever the next season starts. I live in a rural area and can't get most cable companies, so I need something I can stream. Anyone know a way around the blackout restrictions on NHL Live? I think if I mask my IP address, I should be able to get past it, but I don't know how. Anyone have any suggestions? Not that I would ever condone such a thing, but I've heard of people using um, certain like browser extensions and stuff to reroute their IP. I don't know. We don't really... I don't really have that issue with NHL TV. Uh, some people, listeners might be able to help you out. Uh, ask the, if you're in the Discord, ask the Discord. AJ Voss says, hey guys, the Patreon episode ranking drafts was so eye-opening. Uh, our scouting staff should have been fired across the Detroit River via Trebucket long before Stevie took over. He actually wrote Trebuchet, but I pronounced it the Bradway. Uh, do you guys have any I told you so players, players that we passed on that you said at the time we should have taken and have since proven you right? Oh, revisionist, probably. revisionist history is my favorite thing to do. Yeah, uh, probably, but off the top of my head, um, uh, I can't think off the top of my head. Uh, like, I mean, if we go deep into drafts, that's easier. So I'm trying to make this harder and just staying in the first round. Anyone in the Rasmussen draft? Yeah, I Nietzsche and Suzuki were the first two that came to my mind. If I'm being honest. Uh, Jake Kiefer says, what should wings fans, uh, realistic expectations be for Jonathan Bergeron? Seeing him light up the SHL is exciting, but I'm sure I'm not sure if this guy will likely be a 35 to 45 point player or 55 plus. What are your thoughts? It depends on where the team's at and what his role is. I think given what he's doing in the SHL right now, a 50 to 60 point player is reasonable. I don't think he's ever going to be like a first line, you know, Anthony Mantha type in terms of production. Um, obviously not type of player, but yeah, I think a, a good second line high scoring winger who does a lot on the power play is, is a good option or a good likelihood. I should say 
Yeah. Um, I, I'm not even upset if the guy turns into like a regular 40 point player. Like, obviously, that means he's not going to be filtering into that top line or maybe not a driver in the top six as much as you might hope. But you also consider his process, his career trajectory. It'd be an incredible recovery. Um, if he ends up as a 50 to 60 point player, I think I'm really pleased and, and it's within the realm of possibility. Okay. With that, we are going to wrap up this episode of the Winged Wheel Podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Um, for our Patreon supporters, thank you. And tune in midweek for uh, the next episode. Um, for now, we'd like to thank all of you guys, the people who listen, the people who give us those incredible five-star reviews on um, iTunes and Spotify and subscribe and everything else. Um, our name level sponsors, uh, RA, Arjun Shanker, Hi Brad, uh, Zach Spring, Citizen High Five, Cody Stark, Greach, Jeremiah Dobo, Jake Kiefer, uh, Brad, uh, Crystal Methco, and Ryan Hannabrand, Wings and Pizza. Andrew Bohan, Scott Martin, Jacob Turner, Matt McKay, Craig Kibble, Brandon M., Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Kassem, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Josh Yelton, Trevor Pevavar, Evans Bingo Card, Ashley Van Conant, Connor Leighton, Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Simon Anderson, Stay Fresh Cheese Bags of Fournier Company, Antonio Gracias, uh, John Evans, Quaz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. We will see you either midweek or next week. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.